Welcome to Notes on Vulnerability, a podcast designed to put stories of resilience, courage and being human at the heart of the conversation. This is the Tools for Resilience series, wellness and mental health chats focused on helping you grow and feel good about who you are. We'll be exploring ideas and practical tools designed to help you get comfortable with the vulnerability inherent in being human and the benefits of embracing it. And we'll reveal ways that working with this vulnerability builds resilience so that you can deepen your resources, adapt more, bounce back better and go on to thrive. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the extra bonus content. You're too sensitive. Is that something that's been said to you in your life? I know that I have received messaging along these lines throughout my life when it's become clear that I am processing things more deeply than others around me expect. Whether it comes from a parent, a partner or the law firms I used to work in, it has never felt like a compliment, which is why it can feel like such a source of deep vulnerability. Dr. Elaine Aron was the first to coin the term highly sensitive person for anyone who has higher sensory processing sensitivity, which often means displaying increased emotional sensitivity, a stronger reactivity to both external and internal stimuli such as pain, hunger, light and noise, and a complex inner life. This is a personality trait, it's not a diagnosis or a disorder, and it's found in around 20-30% to of people with an equal mix of men and women. This kind of sensitivity is too often misunderstood. You can actually be an extrovert HSP, for example. Finding that out was a light bulb moment for me. Today, there's a whole body of scientific research around HSPs. And while the world may not be designed for sensitive people, there are ways to tackle the challenges, which can include shame, overanalyzing, overthinking and ruminating. And for anyone who has ever felt different or not accepted over the years because of HSP traits, There's the relief of knowing you're not alone and you don't need to try and train sensitivity out of yourself. Resilience starts with self-acceptance. And if you're an HSP like me, it's actually a great thing just to be exactly who you are. My guest on this episode is Dr. Genevieve von Lobb, a clinical psychologist for more than a decade, an EMDR therapist and a practitioner recognised as an HSP knowledgeable therapist. She coaches sensitive people and parents with sensitive children helping highly sensitive people learn to trust their inner voice, cut through their self-doubt and show up as their authentic self. Whether that is learning to be an empathic leader, finding the right career, trusting intuition or healing trauma. There's a lot of misunderstanding around sensitive people, what we're capable of and what holds us back. And if you or someone in your life is affected, then this episode is for you. So Genevieve, welcome. Hello, Alex. It's such a pleasure to be here. So how did you come to this? What's your background? So I am a clinical psychologist and it's quite a long training. And I worked, I've worked both in the NHS and in private practice. And I first came to it about nine years ago when I was working in a child and adolescent mental health service. So that's CAMS for short, and that's in the NHS. And so in this role, what would happen is I get referrals of children from schools, from social workers, from paediatricians, from parents themselves. So basically anyone who works with children, they would send them um, to our service and we would assess them to see if they needed psychological support. And the sorts of things I would be seeing were children with anxiety issues, anger, um, meltdowns, just having some sort of emotional problem. So as many therapists and coaches will know in this work, we often see patterns or themes in our clients. 
And what I was seeing, so these children were coming in to see me for an assessment and there was something different about them. So they didn't fit into, say, a diagnosis. They weren't autistic. They didn't fit the autistic box and they weren't um, they didn't have ADHD, but there was still something different about them. And when I sat in the room with them, it was quite interesting. I just felt some of them had this presence like a maturity or a wisdom beyond their years, a bit like old souls. And I also felt like they were often assessing me, like really scanning me to see you know, how authentic I was. So I had to let go of any of my, my own role playing, you know, and, and, and just be really meet them where they were. And, and another thing about them was I call them now mini Gretas because a lot of them had such an awareness of issues going on on the planet. They talk about the pollution and the climate crisis and the animals, and they had such a concern and such an empathy and such a sense of justice and worry that it, it just felt different. So I, I basically went researching, as I like to do. I like to go right into depth. And that's when I came across Dr. Elaine Aaron's work. And it was a complete aha moment. So for anyone who doesn't know, Dr. Elaine Aaron was the person, she's a psychologist in America. She coined the term highly sensitive person in 1996. And there's a whole body of research now. So this term is underpinned. But it was such an aha moment, such a light bulb moment. I thought that's what it is. These children have got more finely tuned nervous systems. They're feeling everything more intensely. So they're very reactive to their environment because a lot, a lot of them were either kicking off at school, having real difficulties, or they'd come out of school and they were like fizzy Pepsi bottles. They'd like literally have these huge meltdowns when they got home and, you know, so many um, issues like that. So it really made sense that these children were one of these one in five who have this um, personality temperament and trait which is highly sensitive and it was also a real light bulb moment for myself because then I looked back over my life and thought ah oh, that makes sense of me I was always such an intense feeler and I had such a kind of rich inner world I used to think a lot and ruminate and um, I used to think about why we're here and at a very young age I used to think about issues around consciousness so it made a lot of sense of myself and also my family, because I, I think I come from mainly a family of highly sensitives. It really is like a light bulb moment, isn't it? Because like when you were describing it then, I was just like, I, I was campaigning for anti-vivisection at the age of 12. <laughs> when you said that then, I was like, oh God, that makes so much sense. How does it feel to be an HSP as a child and as an adult? So. One thing I will say about HSPs is they are all different. So you cannot compare one HSP with another. There's no stereotype. There's so much variation, just like there is amongst all the flowers. There's so much variation against H amongst HSPs. So that's a really important point. And also just to say that this isn't a diagnosis. It's not a disorder. It's a healthy personality trait found in one in five, or actually a research study is, has shown in 2018, it's maybe even nearer to 30% of people wow. have this trait. So that was one of Professor Michael Pluis's research studies. So I think for HSPs though, how do they feel? They feel things more intensely. They have um, a depth of 
they 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 process everything very deeply so they're very reactive more reactive to their environment so things coming in maybe like lights or sounds or smells or even just energies in a room people's emotions just everything that's going on they take it in and they then process it much more deeply so many people call it a finely tuned nervous system uh, they also, as I said, feel things very intensely. They have, um, they may feel the highs very, very intensely. So they can feel joy and bliss. You know, those moments. I don't know if you've had those moments when you've just seen an amazing sunset mm-hmm. and it just is so blissful or you're in an amazing nature setting. For me, that's the time when I feel really in bliss. But then equally, they can feel the lows more intensely. So they can feel their rage or depression sadness grief that can feel more intense as well um they also the the negative the one negative about being an hsp is overstimulation so everyone every human being gets overstimulated but it's just the hsps get overstimulated a little bit more quickly so i see it like a bucket filling up it's like our stress bucket everything that we're seeing feeling smelling touching um, sensing um, it gets goes into this bucket and so if that bucket gets full to overflowing then we're at that point of overstimulation so for me I uh, certainly since the pandemic actually I think being in lockdown you got used to being on your own I found it quite difficult to reacclimatize to kind of big groups of people or even going in shopping malls it just I can feel the hear the sounds and I can just feel all the busyness and actually I find after that I need a lot of rest mm-hmm. so HSPs they can go into these situations uh, but what they really need to put into their time is downtime and rest to be able to process and not just processing the emotions in their minds but processing through the body and the final thing is um, yeah HSPs really notice detail fine detail like really subtle details so, for example, my daughter is highly sensitive and she'll all, like, always notice if I've got a new pair of earrings on because I love wearing. We were talking about this. I love wearing earrings. So she'll always notice that or if I've had my hair cut. So HSPs are often the ones who'll notice if you look a bit different or if you've adjusted something in your room. So they're sort of scanning for, for those details. Highly observant. Highly observant, yes. And often, another thing I should add is they're often empaths, not all of them, but many of them are very empathic. So they can pick up on people's emotions, even their thoughts. They can go into a room and often sense the energy of a room and just pick up on the vibe. So that's that's another one of, I think, a superpower, but also can be something that can overwhelm and overstimulate yeah, but you know, it's like the X-Men, isn't it? You know, when they all first get their superpowers, they can't cope with them. So you've maybe got to... <laughs> yeah. We are like X-Men, yeah. Um, but when we first chatted about this, you did say that the world is not made for sensitive people. And I did mention that in my introduction. Um, can you tell me a bit more about that and, and what you think? I mean, you've covered it a bit there, but what are the biggest challenges for anyone who is highly sensitive? Yeah, so I always say that this world has never been built for sensitive people, because if we look at the world that we live in, it's been mainly very, it's it's been very competitive with a lot of us have been raised to be, you know, be compete with each other. It's been about striving 
to get somewhere. It's been about keeping busy. So we live in a culture which I think is very, very busy where, we, where we're meant to be on the go all the time. It's seen as a badge of honor, isn't it? To be seen to be always doing something all the time and succeeding in something. So that's what we see as success and not feeling too much, not giving ourselves too much time to feel, just keep going. And if you look at some of the ways that we numb ourselves, I mean, we're all numbing with keeping busy, uh, with technology, with alcohol, addictions, you know, all sorts of things that we use to not feel. And in a way, this goes against the whole wiring of an HSP, because we're intuitively, innately deep feelers. We feel everything. With that, we need to process. But so often, and with many of the HSPs I coach, the ones who've had difficult experiences, those feelings have not been, have been misunderstood. The way they're wired has been um, ashamed in some way or not validated. So and that will be from parents who didn't know how to connect with their own feelings. So it's, it, it, we, we, we weren't able to see sensitivity as a strength. It's been seen as a weakness. Oh, you know, you know those phrases, you, you're so sensitive. Oh, stop crying. Oh, don't be such a drama queen. You're being such a diva. You know, anything where people have been expressive or have shown emotion has actually been stigmatized in some way. And, and then people have had to suppress that to fit in because we all have a deep longing to belong. And of course, if the mainstream is not about feeling, it's not about crying, it's not about expressing ourselves, then we learn to mask it and we learn to suppress it and numb it over time and we learn to fit in. But that means actually that we suppress a huge part of our true selves. And this is some of the work that I do with people is actually starting to reconnect with who are you? Because so many of the clients who come to me say, I don't know who I am anymore. I've been such a chameleon because this is another superpower of an HSP. They can adapt to so many situations because they've got the ability to socially connect and know what a situation requires, that they are these chameleons who can just adapt to this situation. So then they lose a sense of, well, who am I? And so much of the work that I do with highly sensitive adults is connecting back with the true, true self the true core of who you were born as, but where so many of those sensitivity, that parts of parts of you became a negative and became stigmatized in some way. I think it's so powerful to embrace that. And you know, that that's huge. Like, it's almost what this podcast was started for in a way, because that's probably one of the most vulnerable things, like who we are, not feeling accepted for who we are. Mm. Um, so I was going to ask you about the process of, of healing from a past where these tendencies weren't accepted. Is there anything in addition to what you've just said that you kind of want to share? So I think really just about reframing the past. I think we have to look back at the past and recognize this is, by the way, I must just add, this is for people who've had maybe challenging or difficult times or been misunderstood for their seven sensitivity. There are, is a subset of people who would have been brought up in good enough childhoods where their parents recognized and honored their sensitivity. And in that way, sensitivity, and all the research shows this, if you've had a good enough childhood, it's an asset and a strength. So those high functioning, thriving HSPs often blend in. They're just the people who are very highly creative, empathic, maybe empathic leaders, 
but they're not held back by the neg- negative sides because their sensitivity was accepted and acknowledged. So I suppose here we're focusing on maybe a large proportion of people whose sensitivity was misunderstood. Um, I think that they, yeah, no, I'm probably doing that because that's how I feel about it. And you're absolutely right. We should be broader because um, everyone's had different experiences with it. So can being highly sensitive actually, actually be a strength? We've described it as a superpower already. Um, are there any other ways in which it it really because in a way this discussion is is kind of looking at the vulnerability of it so what's the sort of flip side once you embrace the vulnerability and you're there or you had a great nurturing childhood um what else does it add to life that a person who isn't highly sensitive doesn't have yeah so and, and just to say to the other point of course if you have had a very difficult childhood and it's been stigmatized just to say that it does take you on a healing journey like you said it's been a vulnerability for you and that's the thing to say about sensitivity it's either a strength or a vulnerability but the strengths of it there are so many there are so many gifts I think obviously the deep empathy that many HSPs can feel often very highly creative often see the big picture you know see things that other people don't see they see layers so they see beyond just words. They see, they feel other layers because they can feel it in their bodies. They are often um, very creative. They really appreciate beauty. They're very good with connecting with people, relationships, their ability to just tune in to people's body language and even just micro expressions, facial expressions. They can really tune in to people. And that's such a, a great skill to be able to understand and many HSPs are natural born counsellors, therapists, coaches, just because they have that natural empathy and ability to read people and to hold that space for them. So that's why you find many, many HSPs in helping professions, such as coaching and therapy or in teaching. There's there's loads of them or in creative arts like musicians, artists, um, dancers, performers. You'll find many HSPs concentrated there. So there's so, so many strengths. And also the research shows that HSPs actually take more benefit from an intervention. So there was a research study, which I find really interesting that Michael Pluis did uh, a few years ago, uh, a resilience promoting intervention with teenage girls. And he found that the girls that were, the teenage girls that were HSPs were the, the only ones who benefited from the intervention. And that was the same at follow-up. And he's similarly done a research on anti-bullying. And again, it's the highly sensitive boys who who benefited from the intervention and took the most. So what we can take from that as HSPs is that we really benefit from interventions, from coaching, from therapy. Like we really dive into it and we really make the most of it and we find it very useful. So that should be of great hope. So that even if you've had challenging times, traumatic childhood and you've had a hard, a tough time, there's always hope because if you can get onto a healing path and find the sort of therapeutic modalities and find the right coaches or therapists to help you, then, you know, you can really, you can heal this. You can absolutely work on this and and find your way back to who you are and confidence and feeling empowered. 
if there is anyone listening to this who doesn't feel like that's possible for them and they just feel like they've got a very sort of thin skin and the world feels harsh that is exactly how I felt before I went through the therapy as you said which I found extremely beneficial um and it really does feel like I've been catapulted almost into another life with you know being able to really be yourself and embrace the sensitivity mm. it feels so good so if there's anyone listening to this who's because I know what it feels like to feel as do you highly sensitive and, and for it to be just to feel like an open wound in a way that that people are prodding continuously doesn't always feel like that it is worth seeking help no and that's so true and I will say that most of my clients and many of my clients that come to me will say I just can't they can't even hear this thing about strengths or gifts because it's just too much. It's like, I cannot see any positives in this at all. Every part of my experience around the sensitivity has been negative and I wish I wasn't wired like this. I just wish I wasn't like this. So it's really important to acknowledge where people are, but just to give a bit of hope, as you just said with your story and my, my own as well of how we had to learn to wear masks and, just find our way to adapt because all of those masks were ways of coping and protecting ourselves weren't they but there is a there is a way back and I I think things like this you know podcasts where we're having conversations like this and finding other like-minded individuals and the liberation of ripping off that mask and being like yes I am a highly sensitive person and like (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) change Um, but I think so one of the things I wanted to ask about also was the myths sort of surrounding HSPs because I think this is where a lot of the self-shaming comes from is this idea that there's some inherent weakness in it what do you think are the major myths that we should bust out of yeah there's this um fragility wallflower um weak association and I think that's because sensitivity has become so stigmatized um generally in our culture so it's it's the opposite for me that I would see that uh, ability to feel that we have is our absolute strength it's not a vulnerability it's a vulnerability but it's also a strength to be able to feel isn't it to feel so deeply because when we can feel then we can see what's I mean for me it's what's going on in the world like what needs to change on a bigger level there I will say one of the things that many people think that HSP is is autism autistic spectrum disorder a lot of people say that now it can co-occur you can be an HSP who also has a diagnosis of autism you can be someone with autism who is also HSP however they are not the same thing Um, they are distinct And I I think that's just one myth to clear up. And that's the research is showing that there is a research showing differences. So uh, they're not the same thing, but they can co-occur. It's not ADHD either. The same thing, it can co-occur, but it's not the same thing. But an overstimulated, highly sensitive person can look like someone with ADHD because when they're in an overstimulating, busy environment, they can look really agitated and fidgety. However, put an HSP in a nice, quiet, calm environment, they can focus, whereas someone with ADHD can't because ADHD is across all settings. It doesn't, it's not just in a loud environment. They just, they, they have that issue in all environments, whereas an HSP is specific. So that's the distinction you'd look for if you were thinking about this for your child or even for yourself. 
Yeah, so with, if you're looking for ADHD, you have to see it across at least two environments, okay. two to three. It has to be present at home and at school, and you need to see it. Whereas with an HSP, you're going to see those behaviours just when they're very overstimulated. Also, people, I know people have said to me before, oh, well, they're just traumatised. They've got PTSD, people with HSP who are HSPs. And again, HSPs obviously can have PTSD and trauma, but it's not the same thing. And it can look the same because obviously people who have PTSD may often be in a very high hypervigilant um, fight flight state like an HSP can. But again, they're not different, but many of the tools can help both someone with PTSD and someone who's an HSP. And a big one, a big myth. Most people think that being an HSP is mainly women and it's equal gender, 50 50. And I think that surprises people as well. That really surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a surprise. It surprised me too. Because I think because women are just more, or girls are more, maybe it's more acceptable for us to talk about our emotions. We're, we're, it's more allowed in a way. It's more acceptable to cry and for girls. Um, we've been brought up like that, haven't we? Whereas with boys and men, traditionally in the past, it was seen as a weakness to show emotion. You know, boys don't cry, don't be such a girl, you know, all those sorts of phrases. And so I think boys and men have particularly had to suppress their sensitivity yeah. and their feeling and their intuition just to fit into the sort of tough masculine identity. I think... I think it was my my own social conditioning that made me be surprised by that. But when I thought about it a bit more, and my dad, I think, was probably an HSP. And like when I looked around more in my life, I could probably see men who'd had who were HSPs, but had had to cover it up and disguise it to exist, like you say, in an environment where it really wouldn't have been acceptable. Absolutely. Now, I was brought up because I had an early loss of my mother. So I was brought up by my grandparents and my granddad. And I look back, he was such uh, an HSP. He had so much emotion and empathy and he was a real feminist. He was always really celebrating women. And, and, and so I feel so lucky that I was brought up and exposed to a man who was so sensitive, so empathic, really introduced me to matters of consciousness and, and spirituality. So there are those men, but I think if you've been exposed to men who are have had to fit that fit that mold and they've really tried to fit in and be masculine then it is quite it's quite a shift for us to imagine that men can be equally as sensitive if not more so mm. than than um than women so tom falkenstein i will say there's a, a psychotherapist called tom falkenstein who's written a book called the highly sensitive man which is a really amazing read and there's also ted zeff who's written a book for highly sensitive boys Okay. So it's it I feel like for me it's the shift that needs to happen is that men need to stop hiding sensitive men need to stop hiding in the shadows and actually step up and mm. come forward and show us what a truly healthy sensitive empathic man looks like because we've all had such models of 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 not of not the opposite of that uh, mostly in our culture the, the leaders and and the men who have been our maybe are meant to be our role models have been the complete opposite of of sensitive yeah. men it would be a real shift to see that take place yeah but you see like many sensitive people many of them not all of them don't want to generalize at all here 
but many of them will have had that sensitivity stigmatized and so they have a lack of confidence and a lack of self-worth and and they struggle to step up and put themselves in that leadership position and they're the very people we need to step up right now and women sensitive women we need sensitive women and sensitive men well we need everyone but we need diversity we need uh, we need hsps to be representative on the stage of leaders and role models don't we definitely do and you've mentioned a bit about how all hsps are different so there are some who are extroverted right yes so this is another myth. Um, many people think that they're all introverts and 70%, so a big proportion are, but 30% are extroverts. So 30% of HSPs, that's quite a big proportion of HSPs. I would say that for me, I would definitely align with being an extrovert HSP when I'm in a situation, in a group, where I feel comfortable and I'm with people on my wavelength. I absolutely love being in gatherings I love big groups of people I get such a high I feel so buzzy and inspired after being around people but when we're on the same wavelength and I feel comfortable and at ease so there's extroverted because I think we question are we HSPs because I'm quite I like people so yes you can like it but what you need and what I've discovered over time the hard way uh, from burning (laughs) myself out probably too many times in my life and that's another story and many of us as HSPs burn out we find that out the hard way what I find is that we need downtime when we've had uh, been in a social situation a big group we love it we thrive off it but we still need the same amount of downtime and processing time as an introvert so that doesn't go away and I guess that's what makes you an HSP is that need to come away and, and 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 do what you need to to come yeah. back to a more regulated state. It's about your nervous system because our nervous systems get frazzled more quickly. So we, we have to regulate. So whether that's quiet time or just being in nature or you know doing some gentle exercise or just doing some gentle chores at home, you know, whatever it is, just time alone really. So extroverts need time alone, but they love people. I think knowing this stuff is so empowering because once you know how you work, you can you can really function like you can arrange your life to a certain extent in in a way that really supports that it's a really different way of living isn't it it is and I think that's such a key point it's how we redesign our life around our temperament and that's not something we were probably taught so as children as HSPs we all went along the route that we thought we were supposed to go on and we tried to fit ourselves into that box Um, of everyone else with non-HSPs and then we realized often through exhaustion through burnout through feeling absolutely drained that we can't live our lives like that that we have to design a life where we get this rest and and maybe that will mean you know maybe if you've got a busy working week you actually have to book that weekend literally for chill time you have to actually cancel social invites so that's what we mean about redesigning your life around who you are it's knowing what your nervous system can take on and and knowing what's best for your mental health and your physical health I think this is a real source of resilience if you are an HSP is to sort of be like this is the reality and I'm going to cater to this and I'm not going to listen to people who say things like oh are you really going to take a day off, you know, like or really judgmental statements? Are you tired again? Or, are you, you know, and actually, I know what I need and I'm going to do this for myself. And the end result, it's not just I found that you feel happier and calmer, but that you 
succeed more and you can actually go out more and do more all the things you love become more accessible because your body and your sort of system is supported and getting what it needs completely and that's such it's so important and you can turn up like fully like your buck your you're charged up it's like having your batteries recharged mm. when you turn up to a social event or to a family gathering or to see a friend for dinner you're fully charged up and you're you're going to be your sparkly brilliant energetic self when you've been able to give yourself that time so yes it's about not listening to those comments from other people and I think that's for HSPs, for us, we do we do hear the judgments and we have over our life taken those comments in. You know, it's just a little comment, but if you think about an HSP's brain, because we process deeply, that hurts. Those comments hurt, those judgments do, and they go right in. And we often get into the ruminating on them and we can't let go. And that's another thing. HSPs can't let go of things. They can't forget. It's just there. So you have to do a lot of work to sort of process it through and try and let go. I guess that's the, the downside sometimes of being an HSP is getting into rumination and overanalyzing and worrying about what people think of us because we're so tuned in to rejection often, not wanting to be rejected. And that 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 hurts. So learning to be able to just not take on people's judgments is hard but I think that's what we have to learn to do and that comes from what you were talking about true self-acceptance and self-acceptance comes from understanding ourselves first like and I think this is why this knowledge is so beneficial and for me it's helped me so much and I'm writing a, a newsletter called the HSP revolution because I want to help and there's many other people who are also out there doing things um, for HSPs got communities And it's about getting this knowledge out into the mainstream and educating people so people understand themselves. I love you called it that you called it the HSP revolution. That is brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to do, I wanted a title. I was thinking, I want something empowering. Mm. Like we're not wallflowers and we're not shrinking. We have so much strength and courage and how we've survived this far in this insensitive world. Like it had to be something, yeah, empowering to, and revolution felt like a really good word. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to sign up for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so in terms of like practical tools, if someone listened to this, it's like, okay, this, this is me. Um, I want to sort of do this. What practical steps could people start to take where being an HSP is concerned? So as we were just saying, learn as much as you can about the temperament understand it so i would say as a first step go to go to dr elaine aaron's website the hsp and also her books she's written a variety of books for highly sensitive people so that would be the first place i'd recommend starting because once we've got knowledge we have more we're more empowered we have more understanding and then we can realize there's nothing wrong with us and that this is a normal healthy temperament and trait so that would be my first first thing and also it's backed by lots of scientific evidence because there will be people out there who go oh have you just made that up is that real is that some woo term just to excuse yourself and because there's now this scientific evidence underpinning it I do think that helps to give it some legitimacy because we live in a world which loves science and 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 evidence so the second thing I would say another tool is obviously if you've been misunderstood you've had negative experiences or traumas with your sensitivity 
is to find ways to heal and, and find that path, whether that's through, as we've talked about, finding a coach or a therapist, or I, I offer EMDR, which is really good. And I use that with many HSPs, which is about helping to process the traumas that may have come up, particularly those early childhood ones um, that, that come up that have been stuck almost they get stuck in our nervous system those early experiences so we have to process those traumas through our bodies so um, that's another tool and I think what we talked about earlier redesign your life around your temperament where possible now I know it's not always possible with busy jobs but finding ways to have downtime finding ways to to you may have to say no to invites but ways to really prioritize your nervous system because that's the most important thing if you're going to stay well and healthy. And, and like you mentioned earlier, sometimes that means taking a day off. If you're not feeling so good, then, you know, that's something that you're doing for your mental health and your well-being. And you're going to be so much better if you've taken that day off and got yourself back to full energy again. Yeah, I, I think it's also valuable for people to start asking themselves what they actually want. Because yes. like as an HSP, you get very caught up in what other people want of you in a situation or where they want to have dinner or how they want to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. And I found it quite useful to be like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And actually then be like, well, it's okay for me to say to someone, I don't really want to go to a loud restaurant. Can we have a walk outside with a coffee instead? Mm -hmm. um, and actually building that kind of like permission to ask for what you want once you know what that is. Yeah, completely. So it's, it's that's something that we all have to work on is our communication and being clear having clarity because often we think we're saying it but we haven't really said it that clearly and it's being able to say no isn't it and I think because many HSPs are people pleasers because we've had to fit ourselves in you know we've had to please and fit fit whatever what others want of us we've lost our sense of self so learning to say no is really hard for many HSPs so that's something to just practice doing and, and we talk about putting the boundaries in and that's putting the boundaries in of what your limits are and what your capabilities are and what, where you're going to be functioning the best. Like you say, can we go to a quieter restaurant? Another thing you said just now that made me th uh, think was HSPs often notoriously struggle with decision-making, <laughs> making a decision. I don't know about you, Alex, that I struggle even with menus. If there's a big menu, I really struggle to choose. I will sit there because we're deep processors and we want to make the right decision, we'll go through each one, almost like visualizing it and thinking, well, do I want that one? And then you're thinking, what's everyone else having? Am I going to get food envy? So there's all these things going on in our head. And then you're looking at other tables, trying to see the food. So you think it's just such a big process, even just to pick a, a dish at a restaurant. Food is very important to me. <laughs> me too. So I, I feel like I've, this is something I've ended up having to evolve over the years. Like I will often read a menu in advance yes. or give myself permission to change my mind or just be like, try and adopt a no-lose decision-making model and get the other person to have the other thing I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I do that as well. The looking at in advance now. Um, so these are the sort of tools, what we're talking about, redesigning your life. It's very practical things like that. And um, 
yeah, and also I would say another practical tool for me and for many HSPs I work with, the morning, setting up the morning in the right day, setting up the day in the right way, I feel has such a knock-on effect for the rest of the day. Mm. If you start it in the wrong way and you're on your phone and you're in a bad mood, it, it just doesn't it just escalate over the day? I find those those days, it's just it started bad and it finished bad. It was all bad. So actually getting a routine and we, we love most of us as HSPs, we love love routine. So having a, a practice or something, even five, 10 minutes of quiet time, space for yourself in the morning, just to start the day and ease in. I think that's a key thing for HSPs. We often need to ease into things. We take time to warm up mm-hmm. with those people who we ease as opposed to go straight in there. So ease into your day, you know, take take time because that is going to have an effect on the rest of the day. So for me, I like to do a 20 minute breath work. I don't manage it every morning, but I try to do it a few of the days of the week. But for other people I know, for my clients, they do a gentle movement routine in the morning or they take their time over preparing a nice breakfast. Of course, I know for parents out there, any parents, it's not that easy to ease into the day because children take you straight in with a it's it's full on. So, you know, even if you have a chance after you've dropped off the children, even if you're at your desk in an office, take a few deep breaths, you know, and and taking deep breaths is not some woo woo thing. Again, it's something very physiological for us as HSPs. We need to calm our nervous systems and deep breaths in the belly, deep centering breaths are the best way to sort of ground and calm. And you can, everyone can do that, but it just, it's remembering it as a habit and practicing it. And not dismissing it as well. Cause like you say, it Mm. seems surely it'd be better to take a pill or something, but actually I've done a few episodes in the first season and one in this season on breath work because it's science. Science, it just yeah. works. It does, yeah. There's lots of science backing um, breath work mm. as well as meditation. So these are not just silly woo-woo things that just people who've got lots, lots of time do. They're, they're a priority. And for an HSP, and certainly in my own life, it's been an absolute priority to do these practices to keep myself well, to keep mentally well, and to keep physically well. And that's the same for many of us. And I think many HSPs will will resonate, resonate with that. Another thing, Alex, I didn't say with I just thought about another thing to mention with HSPs. There is another different type of HSP. And I will just quickly mention it because it's important called a high sensation seeker an HSS. So 30 percent of HSPs are also high sensation seekers. So these, and I definitely am one of these. So they're people who really crave change. They like novelty, mm. new experiences. So they may be the people who like to take a different route to the same cafe. Like I've got a high street down there. I like to take different routes just for a different change of scene. Or we won't go to the same restaurant more than once. We maybe don't like reading the same book more than once. But it will, And some of us may be more thrill-seeking or we like travel and adventure. So I think that the, the, the HSP characteristics are often seen as because HSPs tend to like routine and structure and don't like change. If you're an HSP HSS, high sensation seeker, there can be this push and pull between these two sides of you because there's one part of you quite likes the routine, the steadiness and, and the structure. But there's another part of you 
that craves change, craves adventure. And I um, really identify because when you're talking about routine, I, was, I don't like routine at all. Um, but I definitely have other characteristics of an HSP. And in the past, I think I might have dismissed because I don't like routine, because I am drawn to jumping out of airplanes or surfing or recording podcasts or, you know, things which don't necessarily seem like what a sensitive person would do. I would have removed myself from that category in the past. So everything that we've talked about today about understanding and knowledge and stuff, it's just so useful to, to sort of be able to accept yourself and think, ah, oh, that makes sense. You know, I'm definitely an HSP, HSS. HSS and you see that side of you needs to be honored and it needs to be allowed to to be experienced so there's part of you you need to find ways in your life to get that sense of adventure because this part of you otherwise feels stifled and suppressed what you don't want is that part taking over so much that the HSP side because often the HSS will burn out through their pursuits yeah and through, yeah. <laughs> yeah you burn out so I don't know much about your background but yeah they tend to you know just burn the candle at both ends so it's like coming back and the HSP side maybe is the part of us that can ground us again bring us back and say no you need some gentle downtime it's okay you've had your adventure now come back have a little bit of structure and a little bit of quiet alone time this is such good info yeah. <laughs> not just for me I think for other people but, um... oh tell me about it Alex I mean uh, uh, this is why I'm so passionate about it because the more I learn the more I'm like we need to I needed to understand this for myself but we all need to understand this because it, it's just so helpful it, it is kind of life-changing as well because it means you start walking through life feeling like you don't fit in or you don't understand why things feel hard for you that aren't hard for other people and making sense of it in this way and feeling like you're not alone like I said in my introduction and like you don't have to change or train sensitivity out of you you're actually you're amazing the way you are and you'll see that when you start embracing it yeah it's about embracing it mm. and seeing it as your celebrating great it. asset celebrating it is your asset and as you said it's how many of us have felt like we don't fit in we've there's that term the black sheep many of us have felt different and I know myself as a child I don't know why I just felt a difference I didn't feel like other children and I'm sure there were other children like me obviously that I didn't know about but I felt different in my own skin and I didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. and and then you meet other people and, and and then you might find someone who's an HSP you probably wouldn't have named them as an HSP but you know those people who you just on the same wavelength and they just get you and those people are gems and I think for us as HSPs we need to find as many of those people it's quality I think connections mm-hmm. friendships it's the quality ones and, and those people who just really see you get you well let's kick off this revolution <laughs> yes exactly so for me exactly it's all about so ultimately it's the work we do on ourselves because that's a private that's private work and that's there's no shortcut to doing this inner work we just have to we have to go there and if we've had traumas and challenges then you know that is it is hard but have hope that other people are healing and we're all doing this collectively I think there's such an awakening happening right now on the planet we're becoming so much more self-aware it's amazing but what we ultimately need to do is find the others find community because Mm -hmm. This is where really, where we really 
find the others who really see us, who validate us, and where perhaps we may feel like we belong for the first time in our lives. And certainly on my own journey of healing, I've found groups and being witnessed in my own my vulnerability and being able to just be completely authentic and, and not be judged. That's so healing. Yeah. And that's part of why I set up the HSP revolution because I wanted to create a community. And I know you're doing that with your podcast. And so the more people that create community, the better at the moment. So I normally finish these podcasts by asking for your one note on vulnerability, which is the one thing that you'd like people to take away from this chat. Yeah, so do not be ashamed of your vulnerability and your ability as an HSP to feel deeply. One of the things as HSPs that we may have done is to numb or dissociate from that deep feeling. So that's okay. But once we can crack through, we get through to that vulnerability. Honestly, it's the greatest strength we have to feel. It's what's needed on the planet right now. We need people who can really feel and connect and, and be authentic. So I guess the message I want to say is be yourself. Know that there was nothing ever wrong with you. Do not be ashamed to be unique, uniquely yourself. And have compassion for yourself in all of this, all the parts of you that have felt challenged, have, have, have felt hurt that there's been pain have compassion for all of those parts but also let's just accept and see the sensitivity as a true asset and it's your true strength and your super superpower amen to that <laughs> yes. yes thank you so much that's been such a great chat i really appreciate you coming on thank you alex it's been such an honor and such a pleasure to be here thank you so much for inviting me This has been Notes on Vulnerability and I've been Alex, your host. If you especially enjoyed this topic and would like to go deeper into how to take action on it, don't forget that you can hit the subscribe button to access all the additional tips, ideas and support. I'm a resilience coach and you can find me on Instagram at alexshorecoaching, S-H-O-R-E, or online at www.shore-coaching.com. Notes on Vulnerability also has its own Instagram, at notes on vulnerability.